0: Episode 15, Understanding Our Emotions. Thinking the Bible with Jack Pelham. Welcome to Rethinking the Bible. This is an audio podcast where we apply reality-based thinking to interpreting the Bible. Reality-based thinking is my name for a philosophy that seeks to make constant use of honesty, rationality, and responsibility in seeking out the reality of things while trying to avoid common errors. And for the record, I define reality as the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to one's perceptions, beliefs, or wishes about them. And you should know, this is a serial podcast, so it's best if you start from episode one and work your way forward from there, because we lay some foundational principles up front and you'll be lost later if you skip them now. Well, welcome back. This is episode 15, and I wanted to talk today about understanding our emotions, Uh, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But I thought I would uh, follow up a little bit from episodes 13 and 14, where I talked off the script, and we got some very useful feedback from a couple of our listeners. We uh, really appreciate that. It's good to know how people take it. Uh, Some thought that it was, in one sense, more... uh, conversational and, uh, it was more winsome and, um, easier to relate to where the reading the script tends to be a bit more formal, uh, a little harder to hook into for some and, uh, so forth. Also, the, uh, some said that the new, uh, the scriptless one can be a little uh, harder to follow uh, to keep up with than the scripted uh, so it's a little bit of a mixed bag actually uh, however the unscripted uh, is so much faster to produce and so it leaves me sort of uh, in the balance wondering hmm should I get a lot of information out uh, you know a lot of content published sooner than later or should I find a way to Make the written script sound even more spontaneous and such um one person said that it might come across the uh the scripted might come across as being more I forget the exact word severe or harsh than it is intended. Well, I can guarantee that that's true. I don't uh feel the need to be uh harsh with anybody i'm I'm not the boss of you. I'm just uh another person. Uh, trying to work the puzzle, trying to understand what time it is here in the world, and uh, so I think I will give it a try for some time, going without a script, uh, which is interesting, just this morning I was writing some notes about this episode you're about to hear today, and I noticed that Jack has a hard time writing notes without it quickly turning into a full through composed essay, uh, because it's just so easy for me to write, you know, type, 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 and I think it and it comes out on the page and, well, wait a minute, if these are just notes, how come I'm writing full paragraphs? So uh, that's uh, funny, uh, the struggles that it takes just to figure out how best to communicate these messages to lots of people at one time. I think it would be a lot easier if everyone would just become like me in every respect and all your dispositions and your personality, and then you could take it like I put it out and everybody would understand me exactly. So... I don't think that's going to happen. So I uh, hope that you will continue to be patient as we figure out the fine-tuning on the format and the uh, nature of the content here. So uh, getting back to um, where I'm headed, I would love to talk about lots and lots of things on this uh, podcast series in general. I want to talk about... um, Okay, let's use some scholar words here so you can go ahead and make your eyes roll back in your head or make them glass over. I want to talk about soteriology, uh, which is salvation talk. I want to talk about ecclesiology, which is uh, how the church is supposed to be designed and run and, and what that was all about. I want to talk about eschatology, you know, end times business and what all was meant by that. I'd like to talk about origins and cosmology. You know the um, meaning biblical cosmology, uh, Genesis one. You know what was created. What did all that mean? All this you know fascinating things like this, uh, and yet we can't really get there without first getting people in the mindset of thinking right. And uh, so that's what today is uh, largely about. Uh, setting the foundation to get into why is it that people uh, often shut down when you're giving them new information? Why aren't people very good at grasping new things and running with it and making it part of their new uh, mental bag of tricks um, rather than resisting it? Why don't we learn more than we do? Uh, so. <laughs> So here I am encroaching into the notes I previously wrote without reading them to you. Uh, So uh, I'm just going to read you a little bit of what I wrote. I want to talk about what keeps people from gaining more understanding about the Bible. It's a large book and people spend years around it, yet so few tend to become masters of the material. And often those who do end up learning lots of it, they get a lot wrong while also being overconfident in their understanding and emotionally protective of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, somebody who uh, makes a Bible mistake? Well, gee, that's not hard. We've all done that. Uh, even if we don't know that we've done it, we've certainly done it. But the people who overinvest in protecting their ideas about the Bible. Now, maybe they think, uh, hey, well, this th- these ideas, they're like straight from God. So there's no need to question this or to rethink it. Uh, In fact, if you suggest I do, you are fighting God. Well, okay, there's a lot of that, and that's quite a defense. That's quite a suit of armor they have on there. And how do you get through that? Uh, Why is it so hard to correct people when they are wrong? Why is it that you can correct someone and they can repeat the answer uh, back to you, the right answer, and even claim to agree with you on the correction but then they go right back to their old habits. Next time you look, they're saying the old thing again as if they had never learned the new thing. Why is that? You can look to the Bible for answers to these things and you'll likely come up with answers like foolishness or pride. You know, this is why people are not correctable. They're proud or uh, <laughs> to use a common church talk, they're prideful, which I always regretted that word every time I heard it in church. Uh, And the Bible can help us a lot with these things, but these are not the sort of granular explanations we might hope to find in the Bible. Uh, The fact of the matter, though, is that nowhere in the Bible did any writer sit down to write an exposition on cognitive errors, uh, cognitive biases, the things that go into getting things wrong, And what is the psychology of man, and how does it work? Uh, You just won't find that. Uh, And the reason I know you won't find it is I have looked and looked and looked. And I've read a great deal uh, with these things in mind and have found bits and pieces that most certainly apply, but there is no exposition. There is no, you know, Philippians chapter 7 where Paul writes a three-page exposition on Human psychology and how uh, people protect their errors of belief. Uh, Yet, obviously, if you read Paul, just to give an example, if you read him at length, you'll find he's constantly correcting people's errors. Uh, Jesus did it also. He even anticipated people's errors. He says, like the place where he says, and do not think to yourself, you know, such and such, but think this instead. So he's already knowing how they think and going to anticipate the errors that they're going to make in response to whatever thing he's telling them. So the Bible is filled with this kind of thing, but it's more in narrative, here's-what-happened fashion and not in expositional fashion. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you all about uh, human psychology and especially uh, the errors that they make in their thinking and how they protect those errors, and protect themselves from uh, self-correction. So what do we do? If that's not written out in the Bible, I'm going to read you a bit here from my notes. Uh, I think that as a society, we are generally not very good at dealing with our emotions. Now, uh, why am I talking about emotions? Uh, (laughs) Just pardon me for a second. I'm going to keep reading. The pleasant emotions are one thing, but the unpleasant ones often throw us for a loop. And our responses to them can be very counterproductive. If we don't know how to handle them well, we can end up doing some very foolish things in an attempt to avoid unpleasant emotions. And there's much to explore when it comes to that. Well, indeed there is. Now, why I'm talking about emotions is that uh, there's a a shutdown. When you try to talk to somebody and say, Oh, um, oh boy, what could it be? your your church's doctrine about um, oh the teen ministry, having a teen ministry, and of course there's no example of a teen ministry in the Bible, so you're already sort of outside the box, off the map, uh, if you've got a teen ministry, and then the question of course becomes, well, is this okay? If it's okay, how is that okay? Was the Were the churches meant to evolve over time? Or were they supposed to stay like the original? Well, that's a whole big can of worms and a super important discussion. I don't mean to get down that trail. But when you bring up a challenge to anything or a question of anything, uh, some questions are taken as challenges when they're not. They're just questions. <laughs> so, And I'll tell you a story about that in a minute if I don't forget. Uh, there's an emotional response often from the person who's being challenged or questioned. So here's the story I wanted to tell you. I remember when I was a kid, I had an after-school babysitter who lived uh, two blocks away, and uh, her son was my best friend, and we'd hang out uh, practically every day. And I remember once they went to um, some church or other, and somehow God came up in the conversation between the three of us one day, and I asked some question about it. And I don't remember uh, the question, but it was an information-seeking question. Well, the two of them immediately looked aghast and said something like, Oh, don't question God. (laughs) And they seemed quite concerned. I'm like, uh, my view of it now is, uh, look, I'm a kid. I wonder about things. I have this question. So I voiced the question. And so what's the problem here? I'm not trying to attack God or to defy him or something. I just want to know something. Uh, but their response was very emotional. They, they suddenly, some something I said triggered them into going into that mode. Um, and, of course, to me now, this is very concerning because, well, how are you two ever going to learn anything about God if you don't ask questions in your mind? That is, if you don't wonder things. If you don't uh, have any curiosity, if you're not processing and turning it over in your head, hmm, well, what if it says this about God, well, how would that work with regard to this other thing? And well, what's he like? Well, what would God think about this? These are all questions that I got the firm feeling were not uh, acceptable in their minds. And uh, I can only wonder what the outcome would be of sustaining that kind of protective, oh, don't go there kind of thinking. And so uh, it was definitely an emotional thing that went on. There were a lot of feelings involved in it, yet had I asked them to explain, <laughs> and of course I was elementary school at the time, uh, but had I uh, been precocious and asked them to explain this, I doubt very much I would have gotten a well-reasoned response. It just would have been another protective emotional Maybe even guard dog kind of, uh, you know, don't go there kind of response. And so what it was was a shutting down. And this whatever the very simple topic was of that conversation. I wish I remembered, but they shut it down. If there's a word I'll borrow from uh, cult studies, they talk about a thought stopper and I don't think that my friends were saying, oh, let's be cultish and let's throw out a thought stopper here and get Jack uh, redirected from his question. But that was the effect of what they did. It, it, at least for that conversation, it shut down my thinking, and I did indeed uh, quit with my questioning. I didn't press them. You know, your best friend and your and his mom, you don't do that. <clears throat> but, or at least I didn't do that. Maybe somebody else would. But so that's what I'm getting at. I think that this shutting down happens a great deal. I mentioned in the last episode, or perhaps number 13, about um, various doctrinal discussions when from time to time somebody will come to me and say, oh, I'm pretty sure you're wrong about this one, and I'm going to prove it and come back. And then they don't come back. Uh, Well, okay. What was it that shut down that conversation? Because It started as a conversation. Hey, I think you've got this wrong. Okay, says Jack. Well, I'm going to come back and prove it. Okay, says Jack. (laughs) See you later. See you when you get back. And then they don't come back. Well, something happened to shut it down. In fact, how I know that is they're the ones who initiated. And I love that, that they initiated. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love the conversation, even though it might sting emotionally sometimes to be corrected Uh, Even if you're, whether the correction itself is right or wrong, uh, still it can be emotionally hard. And actually, we're going to talk about that uh, somewhat today. So this is why I was talking about the emotions that uh, I don't think in our culture we are well trained about that. And we'll talk some about what one uh, cognitive scientist says about it. Uh, So, pardon me, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Oh, I I was writing, I think we need a primer on what our emotions are and how they work. Uh, Because if we don't manage, especially the unpleasant emotions well, well, you're going to find those in a doctrinal discussion, in a discussion about the Bible. Because if somebody's really thought through it a lot, and you're a typical American Christian who has not thought through it a lot, they're going to come up with information that you haven't processed for uh, before. And when that happens, how are you going to feel? Well, you're going to feel, let me scroll down. You're going to feel something like um, sadness or shame or helplessness or anger or vulnerability or embarrassment or disappointment or frustration or uncertainty or confusion or perhaps the fear of having your apple cart turned over, having your neat little package of beliefs rearranged somehow. These are the kinds of things that uh, we will go through in our feelings anytime information is in dispute. It's just a natural thing. Well, uh, to put it shortly, some people can get through that and others can't. Some have trained themselves or been trained by someone else to navigate these unpleasant feelings. And still to process all the thinking and information, all the uh, logic and sourcing, the reasoning, all the facts. And others don't process that well. They just shut down. So you can still have the conversation but not learn anything from it. Uh, maybe you even process the information during the conversation, but then you shut down later. You decide, well, I didn't really like that after all. <laughs> so surprise, you thought I was open to what you said, but no. I'm not, in retrospect, I'm closing myself down to that. And so uh, this is what I think happens a lot, uh, even in the discussions we've had so far. I've had uh, a lot of people I've initiated, hey, go go listen to my COVID-19 episode. Uh, you may find this uh, unique perspective to be helpful. Oh, okay, great, I'll go listen, and then there's no comment later. Which is really sad because, obviously, I have put forth information that you probably never thought about before. Never knew about. You never put these things together from the Bible before. So it's a fantastic conversation, a a field of exploration. And yet you shut it down. And you're not even going to come back to me and say, You know, Jack, that was a lot of new information, so I just shut it down. (laughs) Instead, uh, that's the last I hear of it. Unless... You know, I were to go back and ask you, so, hey, did you listen to my podcast and what do you think? And so um, this is uh, very disappointing because we could be having these great conversations where we could maybe learn some things. Uh, And again, even if I'm wrong on something and you know about it, you could tell me that and then I could learn. But instead, you shut me down and you shut you down too. You shut your own thinking down. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, scrolling back up to find where I was. So, first of all, uh, again, I think we need a primer on what the emotions are and how they work, but we're not going to get that out of the Bible because nobody in the Bible wrote such a thing. Uh, so, let's do establish, though, that the Bible does indeed make frequent mentions of emotions. Uh, you may well be aware of this already, but let me just pull up a few examples for the record. Uh, I searched in the ESV, uh, searching all-in-one version for words, just to see a little bit of what I'd get. And this is a very abridged search, but you'll get the idea here. I searched the word happiness, I got two returns. I searched happy, I got eight returns throughout the Bible. Uh, Sadness got two, sad got nine, fear got 347, and afraid got 165. And we should definitely talk about why those two seem to be uh, such the topic in the Bible. Uh, grief got 16. Grieve, the the verb, got 31. Grieved got 20. Gladness got 46. And I searched words like feelings and got nothing. Uh, yet I searched uh, terms like felt sure or felt compassion, felt certain, felt a godly grief. There are there are returns like that. Uh, so there is a, I won't go any further with this. I bore you to death, but there is uh, definitely a lot of talk about emotion in the Bible. It seems to me that it, the talk uh, if I were to characterize it is unremarkable. That is it they seem to talk about emotions the same way that we experience them today. I can't tell that there's any that there's been any shift in the emotional lives of people. From the ancient times to today. So uh, you can either go like read the whole Bible or search a bunch of these terms yourself. Or you can take my word for that. But I do hope you'll think it through and ponder that. So what are the emotions? Uh, When we feel these things, whether happy or sad or afraid or excited or uh, delighted in something, Uh, humorous, laughing, you know, there's all these kinds of things. When we feel these, what is actually happening inside of us? Well, again, this is where it's going to get kind of scary for some because uh, some people think that it's not right to look outside the Bible for this kind of information. It's as if they have been taught that Good information can only be found in the Bible, and if it's found elsewhere, it can't be good. But the Bible doesn't um, explain trees to us, and yet we as humans know quite a great deal about trees. They're deciduous and evergreen trees, and um, we know about um, osmosis and osmotic pressure, and we know why leaves are different colors at different times all these kinds of things we have learned, it's now part of the wisdom of the ages. Yet the Bible doesn't explain these things, although it mentions trees quite a lot. So what shall we do? Shall we not import any of our understanding from the natural world as we read the Bible? Is that the right way to manage that? Or we just resist Every bit of information that we get from scientific observation or even from our own casual observation in the backyard. Is that really the way to think? Well, if it were, it would be very helpful if one of the Bible authors had written that. But I know of no such passage. In fact, this brings up a story. I had a friend... A couple of years ago, who threw out in a discussion this axiom, and I forget exactly how he put it, but it said something along the lines of, we ought not teach what is not in the Bible. And so I wrote him back, I said, do you realize, dear friend, at least I, I doubt I said dear friend, but do you realize that this very thing you have just taught here, that is the statement, uh, we ought not to teach what is not in the Bible. Do you realize that that statement is itself not in the Bible? So haven't you just broke your own rule? Well, indeed he, did, uh, he had. And uh, we are, as a result, no longer friends on Facebook. So... Okay, I guess he shut me down, which is a, just another example of this kind of behavior, this self-protective behavior, that won't let anybody under the hood of your brain, or your mind, to uh, you know tweak some things. Oh no, I'm not. We're not having this discussion, Jack. Yes, obviously, I was right that. His little statement is not itself in the Bible, so he's breaking his own rule. But we're not having that talk. He decided to shut down from me, shield himself from me to not take the correction nor to explain to me why my correction was actually wrong in some way. And of course, if it's wrong, I have not perceived how it's wrong in the couple of years of pondering that that thing. Indeed, I have gone on to make quite a list of self-breaking rules that people tend to apply in life. And that is definitely on there. I think I have 14 or 15 by now that I have uh, noticed. So again, that's another shutting down thing. And rather than to um, discuss it with me, uh, it was just, okay, I'm done. We're not talking anymore anymore. And who knows? uh, People like this over the years, sometimes they'll call you a heretic. They'll say, oh, well, he's insane. Oh, he's from the devil. Uh, (laughs) It's like, look, I just asked you a question. So I didn't know uh, from my own reading of the Bible that Christianity was an anti-intellectual, non-examining kind of religion. I thought it was one where we could ask and learn and grow and correct ourselves and so forth. So why are so many people like this? Well, Uh, I don't purport to know everything about the answers, but a lot of it has to do with the emotions because they can't handle or have been taught not to handle when uh, they get surprised, when somebody contradicts, when somebody questions, when somebody offers further information or a new nuance in their understanding even. They've been taught to shut that down. A lot of them have been taught to do that in the name of God, like this is the right thing to do. When somebody questions your understanding of the teen ministry, you are to shut them down and do not let them even question you. Like, okay, well, that's no good. You know, Jesus allowed people to question him, and Paul allowed people to question him, and Peter allowed people to question him. In fact, Peter got questioned by Paul on his behavior. Uh, So uh, how is it now, part of Christianity, that no, we don't do that. We stick to our guns. Whatever you believe, that's like God-approved, God-sanctioned, and don't let anybody mess with your beliefs. Uh, And fortunately, not all believers in Jesus have that kind of habit, but a lot do, at least to some extent. I don't mean to overstate it. Some are like they're going to totally shut you down mid-sentence, and others will hear you out or at least partially hear you out for a time. And so uh, I, I recognize people are all over the field with that. So are we going to say that, well, since it's not in the Bible, anything a scientist says about the human emotions must be wrong? Well, on what basis could we say that if we're being honest, rational, and responsible? Sure, you can shut out all challenges to you after all, Some scientists do say irresponsible things, irrational, dishonest things, even in their pursuit against God and religion. Some are atheists, and uh, the one who says there is no God is indeed being foolish, because logically speaking, how could you possibly prove that there is no God? That is unfalsifiable in logical terms. You have no means to prove this. So uh, there's definitely some monkey business that goes on in the name of science, just like there is in the name of God and in the name of law and in the name of government and in the name of education and in the name of advertising and marketing. Uh, There is monkey business that goes on with people in every field of human endeavor. So are we going to say, oh, well, no, we can't discuss science because clearly that's like from the devil and it's all going to be wrong. Well, if that's the case, uh, you probably have driven across a bridge designed by scientists and they didn't get the bridge wrong. And you probably drove it in a car designed by scientists and made possible by scientific discoveries and they didn't get that wrong. And even this podcast, how could you listen to this without using the technology developed by scientists? Am I saying all scientists are right about everything they say? Absolutely not. That would be stupid. It would also be against the facts. There are a great many failures of science, famously on the record, Uh, all kinds of like medical things that ended up killing people, Uh, other innovations uh, like... (laughs) How about this one I learned from my seventh grade geography teacher Uh, how about the advent of gas lighting in houses people were used to candles and lanterns at the end of the day when you're ready to go to sleep you blow out the lantern well now here's the new